pilot. Pilot? What's a pilot? Well, the way they pick TV shows is they make one show. That show's called a pilot. And they show that one show to the people who pick shows. And on the strength of that one show, they decide if they want to make more shows. Some get chosen and become television programs. Some don't. Become nothing. She started one of the ones that became nothing. You know, I think as much as we're going to focus on first episodes of shows on this podcast, of course, that's our premise. I think it's interesting to also consider that second episode of shows. Like, this is our second episode, and you a lot of times will notice things getting fine-tuned a bit between episodes one and two of any given series. And just something to consider as we discuss these first episodes of shows, maybe then also exploring the second episode, just out of curiosity to see, you know, how, what the difference is, if any. Yeah, we're, we're, we, we've known each other for about a week. We're, we're getting to know each other. We dropped off the characters that we don't want. We had a third guest in the first episode. We got rid of him. <laughs> we just edited we, them we out edited completely them out. vocally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, their audio was just completely erased, and uh, that was very impressive work on your part to make <laughs> the conversation coherent. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, but yeah, so it's yeah you know, we're gonna, moving along here, and you know in our first episode we talked about Seinfeld, so we're going to continue in this '90s sitcom genre. And what do you think of that category of TV, Keith? The '90s sitcoms. I mean, there's a lot that come to mind. And so I think we're going to have a lot of really good content to discuss in this first little mini series that we're tackling here. I think it's a great place to start. I think you got some really good shows and especially some good pilots or interesting pilots. Uh, but with 90s sitcoms, you know, we're both 90 kids, 90s kids, but we, at least I didn't appreciate 90s sitcoms until college. Yeah, until my 20s. Yeah, same. At least the very earliest would be high school because that's when a lot of these shows started getting syndicated very often on TV, right? We mentioned Seinfeld and also the show we're discussing today. These are shows, I mean, still they get syndicated quite often. That's how even younger generations get to discover them as well. But yeah, it's, it's, enough, it's something to consider. We were too young, obviously, when these shows first aired. And so the context is a little different watching them in hindsight and already knowing how huge they are. But I always like to imagine myself if I was my age when whatever show first aired, what my response would have been in context, not knowing what it would go on to be. Like this is a fun little thought experiment. Yeah, like how you would have reacted in 2004 or like during those big – like I would have loved to have seen some of the big moments of the show that we're about to talk about, but live. Because this show – because there are right. some There'd be a big lot to moments. discuss. Yeah. A lot of water cooler moments, you would just say. Exactly. And we're kind of getting back to water cooler moments. At least. I think yeah. so. It kind of went I away. Mean, for, for example, I think the big show that came out uh, this past in the past year, The Last of Us, was a big oh, water yes. cooler show. I think everyone I, I worked with was always talking about that one. So I definitely I enjoyed that a lot. I, wanna, I, I hope we get back to more, uh, you know, big group watchings of shows because yeah, it's no fun to watch a show that no one else has watched because it's like, you have no one to share your experience with. And everything is so scattered now. Like every, like, and we've talked about this and we'll, we'll go into it as we enter streaming, but it's amazing that the show that we're about to talk about 
the pilot episode had 22 million people watching it. I that's yeah. for a sitcom on a Thursday. That is it makes sense for the time, but now I think it's kind of unheard of. It'd be you'd be hard pressed to get that many people to watch anything at once now. Uh, the goalposts have definitely been moved. So, yeah, it's and I think that number anything would grow for this show that we're about to discuss over time. Yes. Uh, but before we get into that, I just also wanted to do a little pilot alert. I don't know if there's a sound effect we can get for that, but a recent pilot of something I watched, Jury Duty, is a show on Freevee that I watched the first episode of recently, and I would recommend it. I'll just say that. That's a, a quick little thing there. I saw it, and I was having a pleasant viewing of it. So uh, I'll continue with that show, and Keith, if you get a chance to see that, you can also maybe share your thoughts. I'll, oh, I'll, I mean, I'll watch anything. Uh, you really will. I know. I, I just about anything, but I just love a good story, and I've heard, I've seen enough YouTube uh, ads for. I love a good hidden camera show, and that's what that's what got me. That's what got me with Jury Duty. But I'll take your recommendation, JJ. Yeah, without saying anything else about it, uh, just a little thumbs up from me on that one. Uh, but you could probably guess what show we're going to talk about. And that is the classic staple of 90s television, Friends. Clap, 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 clap. How could we talk about 90s sitcoms and not bring up Friends? Obviously, Seinfeld's one of the big pillars, but then you'd also have to say Friends is as well. Uh, no matter what your thoughts on that show is. I know sometimes Seinfeld and Friends, it can be a little bit of a rivalry between the fan bases, but you still have to appreciate how monumental both shows were. Yeah, I would say that um, Seinfeld kind of changed the genre, but I would say uh, Friends elevated the genre. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think that they take... There are some comparisons between the shows, especially the, the pilots, but... They are, they're definitely, they definitely have their own identities, I would say. And it, one of the other things you could notice is that where Seinfeld took some time to gain a big fan base, Friends was hugely successful right out of the gate. They hit the ground running. Right. It was definitely a big hit to start with. And uh, it, for 10 seasons, it was must-watch TV. And... So and we're still watching it today. It still airs a lot, and it's it's one of the most highly streamed shows as well. So definitely something that we have to talk about with TV in general. Yeah, it's it's it took me a while to watch Friends. It like I think I actually uh, they, everyone made a big deal about the finale, which I think well uh, came out in like two thousand four, and it was a big monument monumental moment in television. I remember watching that, but I. My next time I watched Friends was just casually in college, and it took me a while to say like, "Oh yeah, this this Thanksgiving episode is pretty funny." And so when it the year before we actually lived together, I was living with my my parents as you do post graduation, and that's when Netflix bought Friends, and I'm like, you know what? It's time to dive into it. And damn, this show has some good writing. Like like. It may have gone on maybe a little too long, but even then, like this show can make you laugh. Oh, for sure. It definitely is character-based humor, right? It's an ensemble show, which we'll kind of get into. 
and uh, they have these arcs that aren't just for any particular season, but last throughout the entire series. A lot of things come back. A lot of characters come back throughout the series. And so there's a lot of continuity and people were really invested in these characters throughout the run. I mean, the, the emotional journey that these characters take. I think that's one of the things you can appreciate too, whereas Friends was kind of like, you know, no hugging, no sentimental moments. This show definitely had a lot of development for the characters and a lot of breakthroughs. So it's it's interesting to, to go on that journey, especially for so many episodes. You can imagine people getting so attached to to these characters and relating to them as well, especially if you're in the your mid-20s you know, th- throughout your mid-30s. And I'm not going to say all the seeds of, like, the, of a... These six characters arcs are there, but like, there are some seeds in the pilot of like that are just there throughout the, the series. Absolutely, you get, uh, right from the get go. I think the show knows what it wants to do, and there's not really much finding that has to be done. So we'll we'll get into that. But do you want to take us first through a little history of this pilot, and what went into, you know, everything that happened leading up to its original air date. Well, I think I'll start off. This aired on September 22nd, 1994 on a Thursday, which was a big NBC comedy night. And as I said, it had 22 million people watch it. But I'll go into it was written by David Crane and Marta Kaufman. And I accidentally hit the X on your thing. I had no idea that they had another name for this show. Two other names. Two other names. Can you read them off? Because I accidentally hit the X on this <laughs> thing. Yes. While you while you reopen that, I will name those. So yeah, that some of the working titles for the show: Insomnia Cafe, and Six of One. So Six of One. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that really rolls off the tongue. I guess that's sort of an expression. And then Insomnia Cafe. Obviously, the, a lot of the show revolves around its location of the Central Perk Coffee Shop. And I, I get a sense from this first episode that maybe the initial idea was just the characters hanging out in a coffee shop. And, you know, the, what you'd see in the show eventually is not, yeah, more equal distribution of the action between the apartment and the coffee shop. I get an idea based on that working title and the first scene of the show that there is maybe a more intention of the characters living more in this coffee shop for the majority of the show. Marta Kaufman, to get inspiration, she interviewed her children's 20-something-year-old babysitters to just get a better sense of how these characters would talk and behave. And what I found interesting is they got over 1,000 actors audition, and it got whittled down to 75. And That's still a lot to choose from. That's still a lot to choose from. But even in the pilot, I kept saying, damn. They got the. They nailed it. They got the perfect six for what they wanted to do with these characters. Yeah, I think so. I think even the executives at the time, even like Les Moonves, who was uh, I think president of Warner Brothers uh, production at the time, was saying that these were really the only actors to nail these parts. And so I think you could imagine another universe with some other actors, and uh, also you know some of these actors, like they almost were contractually unable to be part of the show so there is another you know in the multiverse there's other versions of friends with different actors but i can't imagine any of them being as perfectly cast as the one we have no we got the you know our universe isn't the best in everything but we got the best version of friends 
Yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> like, <laughs> we got the good friends we, universe. We got that's our trump card. Uh, but last thing before we get into the pilot, I I found this funny. Matt LeBlanc had a 102 fever and flu during the pilot. Oh, okay, interesting. I think the the fact on your face, uh, the look on your face, says that you you could not tell. He really, no. he really like pulled it through. Well, as an actor who maybe was, I don't know if Matt LeBlanc was as recognizable at the time, but you know when you when you're a working actor and you get a pilot that could potentially become a mega hit as the show would, it's worth it to fight through. I'm sure he's glad that he he didn't succumb to his symptoms and and bow out of the part. I'm sure he's very grateful that he did power through because look how iconic it wound up being, and including him, he was definitely integral to the ride that all of this show would go on. I bet like on camera, like because you only shoot for what, four or five hours in front of a studio audience, you're pro- you probably have like an ice pack on your head and then it's, and then someone's like, Matt, you're on. And then you just, every, like the adrenaline in your system, really, you kind of out of body experience it. And then as soon as he exits stage left, he's like, I'm cold. Oh yeah, or you might throw up right yeah, away. Like, you know? But I, but he killed it. I just found that to be a very interesting fact. Um, yeah, you know, if I rewatch, I, I've I've watched this pilot twice, and now that you mentioned, it, I might watch some clips again, just with that new perspective, and seeing yeah, maybe maybe is he physically affected by by those symptoms? I couldn't tell. I also did watch it twice, as we are researchers in this pilot, uh, and I watch it first to enjoy, and then. I do all my research and then, yeah, no, I, I wasn't able, I, I, I tried to see it, but I couldn't really tell. Yeah. Good for him for, for, you know, powering through. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of stories and a lot of productions of characters powering through different things. A lot of, there's multiple shows where, for example, uh, an actress was pregnant and they had to either hide it and they were fighting morning sickness. You know, there's, there's lots of different stories of that where actors just have to, like I said, power through and, if you're a viewer, you would be none the wiser. So, uh, but it's it's always interesting as a fan to learn those things afterwards. So, without further ado, we've covered the history of Friends. So, uh, Keith, you can now uh, take us to the pilot. Flight five two seven, runway eight kilo, you're cleared for takeoff. Right. So, okay, here we are. Let's say we're, you know, again, it's uh, Thursday, September 22nd, 1994, and we have NBC on, and we're greeted to, well, you take it away, Keith. What are we greeted to? Like, you, right away, not even a, a teaser or anything. You are shown the famous, iconic opening of them dancing in the pond to the Rembrandts, I'll Be There For You, and... It's as every iconic as you would think it would be. Like it kind of hits you the dance, like their motions, them falling over, them the close-ups. I think I don't know if they redance. I'm trying to remember if they ever like did another dance or added oh, I some see. stuff over later seasons. But I know that is stuck with you for at least a couple seasons, and I still hear the Rembrandts on the radio every once in a while, and. It's probably the most recognizable, like, that song will always be associated with Friends. 
Oh, of course. And those guys probably never had to write another song in their lives because no, good for them. with the royalties that they get with every time the show airs, think how many thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of times that this has aired and been streamed. These guys have got it made in the shade. So good for them. And you know, it's, it's a playful intro. And, you know, Seinfeld last week, that didn't really have an intro credits. And that'd be, I guess, an element as we discuss these, these shows is the ones that do have intro credits uh you know how does that measure up obviously this one is one of the most recognizable ones like you mentioned it is playful and i think it is right for the tone and also a clever way of maybe introducing the characters before the first scene because they're all are kind of in tune maybe with the energy like you know um like clumsy ross right and you know maybe more playful joey things like that in in the intro the way that they're interacting in the fountain phoebe being weird like all those like they we will talk about it more, but like the characterizations are real. Like you get to know these characters right away. Yeah, you really do. I think it, and it's hard for six characters to be introduced to in one episode. And I think we get to know some a little bit better than others in this first one, but mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said, they know who these, the creators, at least the writers and the actors know who these characters are pretty much from the get go. Okay. And then we open up at a, uh at the coffee shop and we kind of go through a series of different conversations, which I don't think the show has ever done. It kind of made it, they kind of faded in and out, but they talk yeah. about Monica's current dating life about how she is, uh, the, she hasn't had sex with the guy yet. Chandler's dream. And then Ross's breakup with his wife who, uh, uh, Carol, who just happens to be a lesbian. Right. Right. And you know, that probably is a little more integral to the plot than the first two conversations and that's carol would wind up being like a recurring character and it's one of ross's more ongoing plots is his as we find out life his or like the romantic struggle and his many divorces so that that's kind of a little more of a an establishing conversation the the dream stuff with chandler you know, I, I think that's just a little more fodder because they're trying to establish the chemistry and the jokiness of the characters. And so, you know, that one is maybe not as memorable, but definitely the, you know, the Ross and the Ross talking about his divorce. That's definitely more of a of an establishment conversation. I would agree about like Chandler's whole dream thing. But one thing about the pilot, this pilot and just throughout friends in general is like something some line mention or conversation in the beginning or second scene can end up having a whole new meaning later on they all it, it does a very good job at bringing them back and all three of those conversations are come back in some way but right. how it fades in and out i've never seen it happen it's definitely pilot jitters i think it, so it makes it seem like they've been there for hours and i've I never seen it in the show before again Right, yeah, I don't. I, it's it's an interesting style. You're right. I think they're just trying to establish. And I, again, this is going back for me what the initial idea of the show might have been of them maybe living in this coffee shop a little bit more than they would wind up doing. Uh, not that they. I mean, obviously, a lot like a ton of the scenes in the show take place here, but uh, it, it almost seems as if the characters be practically living in this coffee shop and talking about really anything, almost Seinfeldian in a way where it's like, you have a dream, you have an encounter, you have a date, you have uh, you know a bad experience and everyone just talks about it and jokes around and it's very light and, and you know, you, you take, it's very, very casual, easygoing sort of mood, uh, at least yeah. until someone enters. 
it's like you know what a pilot is definitely like a first date and it's like oh i don't i'm trying to see where the audience is at in terms of like what do we talk about and you know uh with seinfeld they're talking about buttons it's just like that awkward you're almost there to finding yourself but it's just like the first steps and like yeah chandler's dream and speaking of chandler like i <laughs> he is in I would say about every single line is him being sarcastic. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like and I had I think I made a note that every single thing that he says is sarcastic. <laughs> I that that's really that and I think he's one of the characters who probably gets the least amount of development or establishment in this first episode. The only way you really get to know him again is his tone, is his sarcasm yeah. and the sort of jokes he made. And I, I even read that he and Phoebe were initially considered to be more supporting characters when the show is first getting developed. And of course that's not really the case, but and they became the more popular, like uh, Lisa Kudrow won an Emmy. Right. So, like they became the most like, Oh, Chandler was, had some great funny lines, but I just, I'm like, if I met this person, I would just be like, are you a real, like, <laughs> I know. Right. In real life, it might get tiring, but in the show, he has really good comedic timing. And I, I feel like, this sort of delivery is consistent throughout the whole series. And Matthew Perry, it seems like almost he was made to be on a sitcom. 100%. I always loved the story um, that he did the Friends pilot and then he did another pilot. And maybe we'll do this down the way. But he did another pilot about LAX 2059 or it's like LA, it's at LAX airport in the future. Right. And all the little people are dressed up as aliens, and he plays like a baggage claim. And yeah, interesting <laughs> concept, uh, especially for the time. I'm and not sure they, what if that's a, <laughs> Thank God friends worked out. Right. I, from what I read, too, he's one of the two actors that almost were contractually um, unable to be yes. part of the show, right? Him and Jennifer Aniston. But thankfully, both the shows that they were involved with prior to friends right before either didn't work out or the executives of friends predicted rightfully so that they wouldn't work out and were able to get them on the show. But, um, yeah, that <laughs> I can't, I, I'm curious to see if that exists somewhere. It's on YouTube. Really? LAX yeah. 2148 uh, or whatever. Blade runner 2049. It takes all right. place at the airport, but, uh, you bring up Rachel or Jennifer Aniston, probably the most iconic, uh, entrances for a character in a sitcom yep. is her coming in having just left her wedding in a, in a full wedding gown. Yep. I, I think it. you're right. It's very an iconic entrance for a character. Probably the most memorable thing from this first episode. And I think that's almost like your hook in a way. It's like, yeah. okay, friends hanging out in a coffee shop. All right. Seems a little familiar. And then all of a sudden this runaway bride bursts into the scene and immediately now we get this this catalyst into the plot and it's like okay who's this and now now we have a little more of a story going on this so this first episode is not necessarily just going to be hanging out with these characters there actually is more of a driving force going on here what friends is going to go uh, at least their humor or their situational humor is it's real enough yeah like it, it uh, like it's like i think it it's a risky move for the time to have Ross's wife leave him because she's a lesbian, but it's real enough. Yeah, I think there there are stakes, and a lot of yeah. times it seems like very dicey material, 
and we'll get into that with with phoebe for example oh yeah but even though the characters definitely are going through some struggles i think it is it is very well handled how they can still play these what can be considered very heavy material for for still laughs and it's it's all about how the characters handle them and that's why i said it's very character driven and that's why it's funny even if sometimes the characters are going through maybe objectively unfunny situations or like you know what i mean they they still handle it in a way that is is lighthearted whatever jennifer aniston has she has it i'll say that and and uh, history has proven us right Hey everybody, this is Rachel and Heather Lincoln High Survivor. This, this is everybody. This is Chandler and, and Phoebe and Joey. And you remember my brother Ross? Sure. Hey. <laughs> but then we get into uh, Act Two, and we go from one classic location, Central Park, to the giant to uh, Monica and soon to be Rachel's apartment, which has become another uh, iconic set. Yeah, the apartment, right? It's you, know, you also have Joey and Chandler's apartment, which we won't get to in this first episode, but uh, this is the apartment, you could say. Yeah, while everyone's watching uh, Spanish soap opera, I believe, uh, uh, Rachel's on the phone with her dad, and she she has very good comedic timing. But yeah, she does like throw her like, oh, I'm staying with Monica, and Monica's like, oh, I, yeah, I guess you're Monica's very like, oh, yeah, go right ahead. I guess you're staying with me. Very fortunate that Monica had an available room in her apartment, which I guess she had all to herself up to this point. She could afford it, I think. I, I like being a chef in the city, right? And I think it's established sometime later after this first episode that this is a rent-controlled apartment that they inherited, right? And so, yes, yeah, yeah. they always kind of made, at least to the best of their ability, they always kind of made fun of like what the audience had, like. Oh, like, how do you guys able to afford this apartment? Wait a minute. A bunch of 20-something-year-olds with their own places in the city. But uh, just go with it. But there are some good lines in this. At least, like, it takes a while for a show to find itself. But, like, when Joey was hitting on Rachel, I'm like, you know who Joey is. Classic Joey. (laughs) It's like, are you really hitting on her after a wedding? Like, it couldn't hurt. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, again, like that's kind of how we, we get his character uh, through his actions. We don't know any backstory yet to Joey, except we find out later on he's an actor. But it's all it's all through the actor's ability to really commit to their their personas. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Uh, Phoebe sings. And then we have uh, we meet uh, Paul, the wine guy. Yeah, the wine guy, which it seems like in this show, these characters have a nickname for almost everybody. And so uh, and you get a little more of that Chandler sarcasm. But uh, yeah, we get the the date of the week, right? There's always like a, a somewhat a guy or a girl that one of the characters is having a, a, you know, an episode with. One of the strengths of Friends uh, is they have used special guest stars to the best of their ability. Like, I think they've won a lot of their guests' Emmys. Yeah, they get some pretty big names later on, too. And, yeah, Monica is dated from people like, not Burt Reynolds. Um, uh, Tom the, Selleck? Tom, Tom Selleck, Alec Baldwin, John Favreau in a very great role. Oh, didn't uh, uh, Jennifer Aniston at one point date Bruce Willis? Bruce Willis, who I think won the Emmy for uh, right. his role. Uh, Jennifer Aniston had some... Christina Applegate and Reese Witherspoon as sisters. Brad Pitt. Their Thanksgiving episodes 
are some great comedy television uh, comedic television writing like the Thanksgiving like at least just watch that and yeah uh, and it seems like a lot of those moments you get a lot of history between uh, Ross and Monica as the siblings and uh, it's always funny when you explore that because they are not friends to each other they're brother and sister and so um, yeah their dynamic is always played a little differently and uh, yeah, that's again. Everyone seems to have a different relationship to each other, which is is impressive to to balance as a from a writing standpoint. And uh, David Schwimmer Ross invites Rachel to help him with uh, build furniture, and of course she says no. And I wrote, I made a note. I'm like, oh, David Schwimmer, he's very good at this. I think he was a theater actor before. Yeah, and I, he's again, very he, good at this. He knows his character right away. Ross is very mopey, very clumsy, yeah. has a lot of awkward moments. So he's another character that is well established from the get go. I did have probably my biggest laugh is in this scene when they ask if Phoebe wants to join, and she says she can't because she doesn't <laughs> want to. So that, you know, her again, her delivery too with that, and that's another thing. Phoebe's a very overly honest character regardless of whether that's a plus or a negative for her, that she's, she's very overly honest. And that definitely is uh, some of her comedic strengths. It's a very confident script. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and again, it's impressive that these are all things we'd see throughout the rest of the series. Let me tell you something, Ross, there's lots of flavors out there. There's Rocky road and cookie dough and bing, cherry vanilla. You can get them with jimmies or knots mm. or whipped cream. This is the best thing that ever happened to you. You got married. You were like, what, eight? <laughs> Welcome back to the world. Grab a spoon. I honestly don't know if I'm hungry or horny. And stay out of my freezer. Now, we kind of go into like a couple scenes at once. Now yeah. this is it. It gets a little bit wonky with the editing for me, but you do get like you get uh, David Schwimmer, or you get Ross b building furniture with the boys, uh, and Monica on her date. And if I'm missing anything else, I, I do also I uh, Rachel. A couple oh. a couple of moments with Rachel either on the, uh, phone. on the phone or watching TV, just like alone in the main apartment. But you're right; it's cutting back and forth between these three moments. But it's setting up uh, – let's start with Monica. It sets up that, like, uh, Paul, he's out of a relationship, and he's ha he's afraid to have sex with her because he is having trouble performing. And she – Or so he claims. Ah, yeah. But she, that, she warms her heart to him. Right. And uh, on what's happening with the guys, it's like, oh, you know, Ross is being a little – down on himself and everyone's trying to cheer him up, cheer him up and joey has a great ice cream metaphor yeah that's right and uh i think that chandler pays that off with a nice little uh joke at the end about his freezer get away from my freezer right and but my favorite bit and was rachel just try, talking to her ex and for a second i did believe that she was like oh wow she's very good and then she, she goes like oh damn the the machine cut me off again very good timing very yeah. good timing. Seems like, I mean, a lot of these actors had been involved in, uh, like I said, either previous pilots or short-lived shows 
or obscure films. I know or Jennifer, Leprechaun. I was about to say, <laughs> Jennifer Aniston probably doesn't want anyone to remember that she was in the first Leprechaun movie. Uh, Courtney Cox, I mean, I, I know her from also being in Seinfeld. And the previous year, she was on um, the fifth season of Seinfeld. And I think I think her claim to fame actually was that Bruce Springsteen music video. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it seems like all these actors were ready for this moment, you know? Yeah. And so... It ends the the second act ends oddly symp not sympathetic but emotional. It ends with Rachel looking out the window and there's some song and it does feel out of place. But it I'm okay. It's it's pilot season, baby. It's like, right. It's, it's just like oh man, everyone's at, both her and Ross are at their lowest. Right, and it's trying this thing with the music, yeah, which kind of cues out that act. And I think there's a few things that they're setting up either for just later on this episode or for the entire series, right? Like, um, there's with with Monica and Paul. There's this thing with the watch, right? Paul said he crushed his ex's watch. That comes back later, and then oh, yes. Ross yes. has a, has a thing about uh, with Joey's ice cream metaphor. Uh, being the spoon, grab right? the spoon, grabbing grab the, the spoon, grabbing the spoon, which grab also come back. But you know, of course, the biggest thing here, the the seed that's being planted, I think, is Ross having a moment where he says, "You know, maybe I will ask someone out. I don't know." Then it fades to Rachel, right? Very intentional, and this is really the beginning of what would be a ten year would they, won't they, on and off relationship. Is this is this is like. The beginning of this is going to happen. This is what they're setting up. The famous uh, will they were they on a break? <laughs> that debate. Uh, yeah, that would I think that's only like in the third season, right? Like third or fourth season. Oh, these two like it's a great up. It's up there with like Jack and Diane and Jim and Pam. Like it's a great like they've had the highs and lows too. Oh, absolutely. Definitely a lot of lows. Uh, and you know, like I said, even from the very first episode to the very last episode, this is an arc that America was very invested in. And so uh, it's interesting to see the very, very beginning of that journey. So we now go into act three. And one thing that I've always liked about Rachel is her naivete, her just like you could say spoiled and yes she is spoiled but just her lack of how the world works it's and charming in a way it's charming yeah no it's coming from her yes it's definitely charming but the what once again it's a great scene where she's like oh i made coffee and joey and chandler are like hey i can go for some they drink it and they just they pour it they pour it in the flower and you know what i noticed on the second time i watched this Mm -hmm. Towards the end of that episode, that flower is dead. <laughs> oh, that's that's very funny. That's a nice detail. I that's a good that. detail that I liked. Uh, but... Which, first of all, how do you screw up coffee? I mean, I get it that she is so naive and so inexperienced. She can't even make a, a pot of coffee. But really, how hard is it to make coffee? For Rachel, it, it's very hard. It is. I, I don't think I would I, – I, like – I don't – thank God I have a Keurig is what I will say because, like, I've, I've watched people use a French press and I'm like, I'd probably break that thing by French accident. press is definitely more for advanced coffee drinkers. But, you know, the basic coffee pot, it's like just don't skimp on the coffee grounds. That's all you have to do. No, 100%. She, she probably just added way too few coffee grounds and the coffee had, like, no flavor. That's my guess. As, that's the only way because it, it, you can't – if you had too much, that's not a bad thing. 
But uh, yeah, I think that's just so funny. She can't even make a pot of coffee. And again, not a criticism of the writing. It's just that's how that's how that's her starting point basically for having to grow up. She can't even make coffee. And I do. Uh, this is the scene where we first find out that uh, our Joey is an actor. That's right. And I think there's also a little joke about Chandler's job, which she doesn't even say what it is. But we he just never find out. He just we mentions that it it's. Is, yeah. That it's like a pointless office job, just generic, like punching in numbers. Um, a little cartoony, though, when Chandler is mocking Joey's past performance as Pinocchio, I guess. <laughs> that was a little over the top for me. Enough. I would say that, but I uh, I would agree. But I've seen that clip played in so many other like cl- like clips of Friends. And it's like usually uh, in like – montages of a show you rarely see stuff from the pilot episode except like in the beginning there were these six but i've seen like little drummer boy little da, 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 little yeah. wooden boy i'm, I'm but, more i'm more interested in like when uh you know, monica is showing paul at the door and like you know oh, the no. others sort of move the table to to hear i i kind of like that boy it doesn't play as for many laughs but that again that that to me the the character work and the that I kind of enjoy more than an over-the-top sort of flailing of arms. Well, you know I'm a good uh, – I'm a sucker for a good audience. Woo! <laughs> oh, yeah. And that, and that this is era. a good woo! I love now, that. A little funny story about this. Uh, NBC executives, being NBC executives in 1994, were worried that the show – of course, there are times when this show was too racy. Like I remember mm. later on they could not say condom. But huh. when it comes to they, they did not like that Monica would be sleeping with Paul this quickly, right? And they did a question after the episode of the, the recording of the episode. They asked the studio audience a questionnaire if they were offended or like what, how did they feel about it? And guess what? Nobody cared, right? Just <laughs> trust cared. the audience. Come on, trust the audience. Or also like it's like. It's kind of the stereotypical like studio notes like is he a little bit too ri-? like like mm. we're worried about him looking like this like they're moving their heads to the side but most people like if I did, it's kind of like oh wow that doesn't matter at all like it's just to, to even move the story along like this guy like Paul just gave a really sob story and she, and Monica is starting to like this guy like well, you know, this show, if it's going to appeal to the same age group of the characters, right, these mid-20-something-year-olds, then it has to be relatable. And people who live in New York City at that age, they're, they're you know, it, this is what their lives are like. They're going to go on dates and they're going to have casual sex. And it's, you know, not something that uh, you want to be prudish about if you really want to have, again, like a relatable depiction of these kind of people in this sort of setting. So that's why, like, it's it's believable. I don't think that it's played in a way where she's, like, you know, too easy or anything like that. And yeah. I think she regains her agency by the end of the episode. Hundred, oh, definitely. But I think after this scene, we then go, we don't see Monica at work often. Oh, oh, yes. And Rachel pledges to get a job. Oh, yeah. That's, like, probably get the biggest. Get me one of those jobs. Yeah. Biggest thing. I mean, she has a line where she's like, you all have jobs. And, again, just showing her naivete. And uh, yeah, her her pledge to get a job here. And again, this this pilot is I think Rachel is at the forefront of this pilot, at least driving the plot. I would say like, you know, if 
in terms of the main like I know the show is an ensemble and they've they've grown together as an ensemble, but the main characters are kinda Rachel and, and Ross. I would agree. I, I, at the end, I want to discuss about you know how much of a true ensemble this show is, but I would at least say in this pilot episode, Rachel has plot A, right? You usually rank your three, yeah. two or three different storylines, and the A plot, I would say, definitely goes to Rachel. But uh, I think now we go to – actually, would Ross be B plot? I was going to say we go to C plot. I would say uh, Ross is B and Monica's C. Yeah, which is pretty and still impressive to be in a pilot. But uh, we go to we really don't see Monica at work that often in the mm. show, if I can remember. But we meet her. She's talking to her coworker Franny. Ooh, you've had sex, I could tell. And yeah. she's like, "Oh, I had sex with Paul." She's like, "Oh," and then this is where we find out. And as Joey says, she fell for a trick. That's right. Yeah. The same trick. Yo, he uses that's what the line that he uses to get women in bed. Which is an interesting line. Like his strategy, and I think it's a little of a risky strategy, is to say he's had trouble performing since his divorce. And I, I feel like that could go one of two ways, right? The show's acting like it's a for sure way to pick up these girls, but I would think half the time it would be a complete turnoff. Low expectations? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fine. Well, I guess the idea is like, you know, the, the the woman he sleeps with thinks that she was able to break whatever curse he was going through. I, I don't know. But interesting yeah, Monica, strategy, to say the least. So we're back at, you know, Monica's telling the guys. And one, once again, David Schwimmer, it's like, I don't know how sophisticated else you could say to get you into bed. Right, right. And then uh, Joey, a little physical comedy, getting knocked off the couch yeah. there after he makes fun of her for it. And Rachel comes in, could not get a job, but she's got boots. Right. She's uh, got boots. And I must say, I was, I haven't seen the pilot in about, in a couple years. And I forgot that there is some development. Rachel, they, her friends convince her to cut up her dad's credit cards right which is a very good advice from from what is like her new friends right like at yeah. this point they're still fairly strangers to her uh but really good advice and you know it is a little cute when she's going about like look at these boots these are my i don't need a job boots and they all kind of look at her like well uh and so like the cutting up of the cards is is a nice moment and a mature moment i'm glad the show is like encouraging this sort of agency for the character instead of making her a perpetual uh you know a spoiled brat type character. oh she uh uh rachel over the course of the se uh series has some good development i think she ends up becoming a mom uh well yeah and i think she just she ends she gets uh, more and more confident in herself as the series goes on, of course. And one of the biggest payoffs is how she learns to stand up for herself and really not take crap from either other people or even other members of this group of friends, right? Like she, she really uh, grows up. And so that's another, another nice thing to see is that her plot isn't just driven by her romance. It's also driven by her, her independence. But before Rachel cuts up the, her credit cards, I have a note here that says Phoebe lays it all on the table. Oh, that's right. We do get a really fast but loaded history of Phoebe. And again, this is what I was talking about before with handling fairly heavy material in a comedic way, which the show does succeed at. But at the same time, 
it's like, wait, what did she just say? I, once again, Ross kind of said it best. He's like, the word you're looking for is anyway. Right, right. Which I am imagining the other characters are already aware of her backstory since based on their reactions, right? Like they, see, they already seem to know about her her you know her mom who committed suicide and all this other stuff yeah that's kind of i, I don't want to say especially like, i don't say running gag but that's always been like like phoebe will always say my mom who committed suicide like that's always like she'll so whenever she's reminiscing but uh i think uh phoebe is kind of and i cannot remember for how she ended up being friends with all these people like, right that's the one connection the odd duck she's the odd duck in this group well, you know, when I first started watching the show, like here and there, very briefly, I was always under the impression that Phoebe also was in that main apartment. But I don't think that's the case. But at the same time, like, okay, when it's the five of them, you have Monica who lives across the hall from Chandler and Joey, and she's brothers with, and her brother is Ross. So that's how you have those four. Rachel comes in, a friend from high school, that's five. And then you have Phoebe. And I like it. I'm not, I haven't seen a lot of episodes of this show. So I, I, just based on this first pilot, I'm not sure how exactly she's in the mix. They do at the moment. I like, and I think they do do flashbacks and stuff. Like I know she's a masseuse. I just, I cannot remember how she, I think it is just like one of those random moments where it's like oh i guess we're gonna be hanging out now and we're friends but phoebe and this happens later on in the series uh phoebe uh lisa kudrow guest starred or was like a recurring character on a show that we'll cover later on mad about you right ursula and their waitress she's a waitress and kind of phoebe's evil twin Mm -hmm. that they have fun with and i think even paul reiser and helen hunt during sweeps week or something guest star, <laughs> but that's another like, yeah. Oh, everything's connected, but that's a, uh, well, like, yeah, they used to have these crossover. They still do crossovers yeah. nowadays, but back then it was such a big moment. Like you said, for the ratings to have these shows crossover with each other. And yeah, in today's day and age, people would say like, Oh, it's all one universe. But I think, yeah. you know, you can't read too much into it if it's canon or not. You know, but I think Ursula would appear on the show outside of a crossover. I think she was just eventually just a character would appear sometimes and they would do yeah. sort of that double shot where she's like, you know, you see both of them in the same frame. And so that's interesting. I mean, from what I understand as well, when uh, casting the character of Phoebe, the creator saw her performance in Mad About You, and that helped land her this role, even though it's a very different character. Well, Lisa Kudrow is hilarious. I think, and I think she's the only friend to win the Emmy. No, Jennifer Aniston won too. Yeah, Jennifer yeah. Aniston won too. But you know, uh, definitely yeah. very, very charming performance, and I think she has some of the most unexpected moments in yes. in the series with her deliveries. So we end. We're close to ending the episode. Ross, uh, Rachel, and Monica are up late watching TV. And, you know, Monica decides to go to bed. And, you know, she finds Paul's watch. Aw. Mm. She smashes <laughs> it. She smashes it. Nice little payoff there. And then we're left with our two Lonely Island couple uh, people. And they bold move for Ross to say that, you know, when I, when I, I had a childhood crush on you or a college crush. I uh, yeah, high school crush, I think they say. And he makes the bold movies like, could I ask you out at a 
at some point in time. And she says yes. And she says yes. So and nice, nice victory there for the nice guy, right? He's, kind, I think he represents like the nice guy who finishes last, or so to speak, and uh, very much so, yeah. Yeah, so he has the nice moments there, and then again, like as he's, you know, Rachel goes to sleep, uh, and then as Ross is leaving, you get, you know, the spoon line comes back for a nice full circle moment. Wait, wait, hey, what's with you? I just grabbed a spoon. <laughs> Icing on the cake. We got the tag. You know, they're all at their back at Central Perk. Chandler's talking about his dream. And then we find out that Rachel gets a job. She's a host, a uh, waitress. She's now a waitress. And uh, that would be, again, like her, her job for at least the first season or so uh, working at Central Perk. And uh, I guess we haven't met yet Gunther. He'll, he'll come, he'll be introduced later on. But uh, yeah, we have her now working here at Central Park, and yeah, you know, she's just she's gonna have to rough it for a while. But yeah, that's nice to see. And then of course, also the joke with her, you know, did you make the coffee or are you serving it? Right. Uh, that's a yeah. But you know what? I gotta give the. There were some like little bits here and there that a little rough around the edges. Like I, I we brought up the editing, but as far as pilots go, I gotta give this an A. Yeah, I, I think that it does a good job establishing itself. Again, I think you can almost distinguish, except for the very beginning where it's like a montage of moments in the coffee yeah. shop. I think otherwise it definitely feels like the show you're going to get if you continue to watch, which obviously a lot of people did. And so just credit that. it's. I think it's a rare thing for a show to know itself so well so early on. Especially with like a basic premise. Right, exactly. But again, there are certain plot lines, right? It's like, okay, just six friends in New York City. Well, not necessarily. One character is new to the group, having just run away from her wedding, and now she has to give up this pampered lifestyle to make it on her own, right? That's kind of really the the starting point plot-wise for any sort of um, you know overarching stories for, for the series. So you do, you do have like you know a driver there. Uh, at least more so than you had in the Seinfeld pilot. Well, it's kind of like Seinfeld and Friends are always are like the yin and yang of 90s sitcoms. And, and you mentioned before the fans are always debating which one's the better one. But in terms of pilot, and I think I in our last episode I mentioned if you were to rank all Seinfeld episodes, Seinfeld's pilot kind of ranks towards the bottom. Right. But people – I I also jumped into the, like, where does this uh, Friends pilot rank for people? It's, you know, it's not 20, but it's in the top 50. Yeah, I think it's that in the th top 50. there's some of the biggest moments from the show. Like you said, when Rachel first runs in in her wedding dress, I think that's one of the more standout moments from the show overall, at least, especially from the first season. That definitely is a big standout moment. And again, it's it's like a hook. It's like, oh, okay, like, what's her story? Yeah, no, it's like as it's not changing the uh, like it's not it's not a game changer in sitcoms, but damn, does it elevate it to the writing is very sharp and clever, yeah. and, and it, it, it goes there enough as much as standards and practices allow it to. <laughs> well, again, I think they they have to allow the show to be more realistic and, and more relatable for the target they're going for. And so you, you have to have some sort of edge there 
to to appeal to the younger audiences. And yeah, I think what really stands out with this series is the chemistry between the characters. And it's crazy that they have so much chemistry already. And yeah, and, yeah it, when, when I first watched this all out of order on syndication first, I was not I, I had no idea that the character Rachel was new to the group at the onset of the series because everyone all seemed to know each other so well and get and, and have such a great uh again chemistry so watching the first episode and being like oh like half half the group don't even know who rachel is or are new to meeting rachel that is there's a testament to how they build on that so well where i think by season two she seems like she's already been lifetime friends with everybody well that just speaks to like whoever casted these people i hope they got a raise because it just it is a plus and i don't think they ever fought i mean grant i'm sure they had the little spits but at least publicly they were all they loved each other they still hang out they still cry with one another they still uh like when they later on in the season when like uh or show when friends were at the top they all uh said we're going to get a million dollars. They got a million dollars per episode together. Like we're in this right. together. We do I, this together. I think they definitely took pride in the their equal treatment as an ensemble, right? Like in the credits are listed alphabetically and they all were making the same amount of money. However, you know, as as much as they pride themselves on that as an ensemble, you know, I don't know if there's a true equal distribution of of focus and and you know um of of story arcs across all six characters right i think that as as much as they try to give each character their moments i think that if i had to you know rank the characters by importance that they're given ross and rachel are at the top um monica and chandler in the middle especially when they become a couple Another big moment for the show, right? That reveal. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, then Phoebe and then Joey, I think, is maybe the character who maybe becomes more pigeonholed, especially towards the end as the dumb friend. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I don't know if he ever really develops as much as the other characters. No, jo- Joey, and you kind of see it in the first episode. He's a he's a player. I don't think he right. says how you doing, which becomes his catchphrase. I'm, I looked right. out for that, but he didn't say it. Even not even to Rachel, but yeah, I you know what I was gonna rank it that way too. Uh, and it's funny that you put Phoebe ahead of Joey because Phoebe ends up getting married to Paul Rudd. Like she exactly. ends up, she ha- she goes to I think she gives birth to her brothers. Uh, yeah, like she's a surrogate for them. So like she has her storylines, and Joey has his storylines too. Like him and Rachel, and which of course like maybe the show went on a little too long, but. I, I think it's hard to like, or at least. I think things pay off. I think think things pay off the least for Joey. Yeah. Right. I I don't know if he is a character who gets as much as he wants as the other characters wind up getting, for example. Uh, So that's, that's a little tough. He was given a spinoff, which I don't think lasted too long. (laughs) You know, I've never seen it, but now I think we have a, a show about pilots, I think we kind of have to at some point. I think but, yeah, we can you, talk about spinoffs eventually. But, but uh, yeah, you do come to see, uh, even to this day, there's a show that I'm watching right now for the will they, won't they. Like, people yeah. go for the will they, won't they. And big hook. friends did a very good job with it. And they hit the ground 
we said it before they hit a, the ground one running with the with this first one yeah they knew that that was something they wanted to really focus and develop and grow for the duration of the show and who knows if they thought that the show would last however many seasons you know obviously it would go on to, to have 10 full seasons right like yeah. like no abbreviated seasons like 10 seasons that are like you know 24 25 episodes and so that's a lot and so the characters were giving a lot of time and you know they finally get together and then it's like well we're still we got ordered for like five more years so i guess we have to break them up eventually and then they have to come back together yeah i would say that having watched all of friends a a couple years ago like it's consistently funny but it definitely kind of like shows didn't end back then they right. ended until like like it like was seinfeld canceled made a big yeah it, seinfeld made a big decision to end his show right like that was huge because show yeah shows didn't end they just kept especially a sitcom it just kept going but now we're it's so we're so used to like we need closure we want our characters arcs to come to a close and right. it's for the better of course because and you know and as much as this pilot is like a catalyst where Rachel's introduced to the group, and now you have the dynamic for the rest of the show. The finale is a dissolution of that, right? Like now the characters are going their separate ways, and you don't always get that. It's you know it's, you have even some finales where it's just a last episode, and their lives will continue, but we're not going to follow them anymore. This is actually like no, like this this dynamic is over, <laughs> and so there's no more show because now they're they're all they've all grown, and now they're all going to be living their lives more separately. And that's bittersweet, but at the same time, it's it's also satisfying. Um, no, it's a beautiful thing. It, like it, it's a it's a I, it, just to watch a show like this. Watch these people who were picked out of a thousand actors merge yeah. so well with really great writing. It's a beautiful thing from start to finish. And a show going on ten years, there's some more highs than there are lows. I'll tell you that. It's yeah. definitely a show worth jumping into. Yeah, a lot of memorable moments. Uh, you know, and then one of the other things too that really stands out from this show, it's something worth tracking, is the look of these characters, their styles and their hairstyles. I think this is oh, one. Of, yes, this is one of those shows where you can tell what season it is by the haircuts of the characters, right? So like Rachel has that signature look in the first season. I think Ross has a couple seasons with longer hair, some with shorter hair, etc. Um, and definitely in this first season, the guys have very '90s flowy hair, and I think by the end, they you know when they've aged more, they have like shorter hair, a little more, a little more mature looking. So it's funny to track that and you know see the trendy, the trendy looks that they gave the characters across the years. I said to myself as I was watching the pilot, I'm like, I wonder how many friends stuff is buried in '90s time capsules. Right, right. <laughs> as much as the show even went on to the mid 2000s, it's always going to be thought of as a 90s staple for sure, especially because oh. of how much it influenced the styles of the time, right? Like how many how many women got the Rachel haircut even though even Jennifer, our first lady, yeah, got the Rachel. Yeah, Hillary but Glenn, yeah. Jennifer Aniston herself uh reportedly hated that hairdo. So Oh, uh, probably. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like this uh you know, she probably was going crazy seeing everyone else try to emulate her. Uh but yeah, so you have the look of the characters, which is a classic part of it. Um, although in this first episode, the other thing that stuck out to me is that Joey is always dressed in black. He's almost dressed like he's in a gang or something, like a lot of leather, a lot of like 
tight jeans, and I think they would move away from that eventually, right? Because it takes has... a while, if I'm not mistaken. I think he stays in like black. He wears like a black leather jacket. Well, he's playing uh, up this like Italian city kid, and oh, so yeah. it's a little more of a broader look at first. And of course, you know the character gets a little more unique eventually. But uh, you know, especially with more of the the catchphrases and mannerisms that he's known for. But I just that's the one thing that stood out to me the most that we that probably wouldn't track with later episodes is this sort of like I don't know uh, leather jacket looking guy, like definitely not the same kind of character or the same look he would have. Uh, for most of the series i'll say one more thing about it. i think the all these actors obviously can owe their careers to this to this show because so many of them would go on to be especially during the run of the show would be in movies right i mean courtney cox in the scream series um you had like matthew perry in a bunch of comedies play i think they all played similar characters to the ones in friends they all got maybe a little typecast like lisa kudrow and romey and michelle's high school reunion is also a ditz right like matthew perry in um i don't know like fool's russian is also sort of like a cynical guy that has to like you know uh learn to be a little more empathetic like things like that i think they all sort of like were riding the high of their careers at the time and they were they were all like actors that were super marketable and and you know a lot of a lot of movie studios were like we got to get one of the friends characters because they're just so freaking huge yeah i mean hey matt leblanc was in a, a movie called mvp most valuable primate <laughs> chim- chimpanzee but that like i, I always like their second half of their career or like at least like what they their next chapter where like Matt LeBlanc right. was in a Showtime show called Episodes where he played himself. Uh, yeah, well, look Courtney at- Cox is now in the Scream series. Jennifer Aniston is now like she's always paired off with the best of them. Paul Rudd, Adam Sandler. I think she uh, has maybe the most successful post Friends career because she would still be in a lot of movies, rom coms, and uh, she's been like also a bunch of shows since then too. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Um, you know, some of the other characters, some of the other actors, maybe like dropped off a little bit, but Lisa Kudrow is always in like every comedy as a guest star. Like, right, she's always she's always like a, a really bad mom in some way, but she's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, and definitely more range and more to offer than the the ditzy hippie character that she's known for. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's you know again you compare the two shows Seinfeld and Friends, but uh, there's. You know, those are just like the two biggest pillars, and obviously there's still a lot of other fun ones for us to tackle moving forward. But uh, you know, based on this first episode, Keith, I guess just to ask that question, um, you know, again, if, would you watch continue watching the show if it's 1994 and you just oh, 100%. saw this first Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. I not like it was well written. It was funny. Um, there's in. I guess intrigue, but there's like there's stuff that makes me want to go back more. I want to see if Ross and Rachel end up together. What happens right. with that? Definitely, but the intrigue is there for that romance. If they're gonna have situations where like Ross's ex-wife leaves him because she's a lesbian, I'm kind of like, what else could they do? Right. What else could they do? Yeah, I mean, a lot of a, a lot of unexpected moments, especially also with like Phoebe's backstory. I, it's almost yeah. as if like, wow, there's a lot more. I, I don't know what to expect yet from this show. Uh, so I agree. I think I would continue watching. Oh, I feel like I'd almost be obligated to watch just because everyone else is. You know what I mean? Like twenty-two million people can't be wrong. <laughs> when 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 everyone is watching a show, it's like, well, I guess I have to because I, I don't want to be missing out. So, 
for that reason alone, it's worth worth watching just to see what all the all the fuss is about. So you know, we we talked about a couple of sitcoms here that are definitely more appealing to adults. You know, de- dealing with the dating world, de- dealing with uh, you know careers and whatnot. But don't forget, a lot of a lot of family sitcoms at the time too were hugely popular. And I think when you say family sitcoms in the '90s, the first name that comes to mind is uh, one named Tim Allen. <gasps> so I think. <laughs> exactly. So I think we're going to go there next week uh, to uh, Home Improvement. So that's on. Uh, we'll, we'll tune in for that. But, uh, you know, until then, Keith, uh, catch you at the next pilot. Follow us on Instagram and X, formerly Twitter, at Take Us to the Pilot. That's take us to the pilot with the number two. Attention passengers, we've now reached our destination. We hope you enjoyed the flight and have a nice day.